Hello, everyone. Once again, I'm Omar Binu with the Chaldean News Radio Podcast on this nice, warm, sunny day here in Michigan. Uh, joining us today is Dr. Alid Miri, uh, who is the Director of Projects at the Chaldean Community Foundation. Doctor, how are you this morning? Good morning to you. Thank you for being on here with us. It's my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I was born in Baghdad uh, many moons ago in 1948, and uh, I was schooled in Iraq. Uh, I became a chemist. Uh, later on, I traveled um, to the UK and uh, obtained a doctor's degree in uh, hydrocarbon chemistry. Um, I worked at King's College London for a period of time. Then I was recruited by the Iraqi government, went back as a young scientist, and became a professor of chemistry at Basra University for six years prior coming to the United States. In the United States, I made a switch uh, and became uh, a businessman. Not a good one, but a businessman. Right. And uh, I'm, I've been active in the community uh, in many ways. Uh, I was the probably uh, distinct by the fact I was the last president uh, of the uh, Chaldean Iraqi American Association of Michigan at Southfield Manor. And I was the first president at Shenandoah when we built it and opened it in 2005. Right. I worked in many committees. Currently, I work for the Chaldean Community Foundation in Sterling Heights. Great. Uh, I'm just curious, do you ever miss the Southfield Manor? Because <laughs> I know yes, I do. You know, yeah, you know, that building was quite uh, unique and interesting. It had lots of history, although it became outdated. Yeah. Uh, simply because of its geography, proximity to the church, and really we wanted to stay within the community at the time. Sure. But we needed the money, and we thought, you know, the future is somewhere else. And I think we made the right decision by uh, putting all of our resources um, in, uh, you know, in our investment in Shenandoah. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a very interesting article uh, in the Chaldean News for this month. Uh, it's on Chaldeans who are living in the American Southwest. Um, and, you know, you, you were st stated in the article uh, that, you know, how Chaldeans were actually here in the late 1800s had started, uh, you know, coming here over to the United States. Tell us a little more about that. And you also said, uh, just as a note, you said there are about 500,000 Chaldeans in the United States? Uh, well, actually, they are not just Chaldeans. These are Chaldeans, Assyrians, Syriacs, uh -huh. uh, some Armenians. But most of them uh, come basically from the same region, Iraq or southern Turkey. But the majority of them come from Iraq. So that number actually um, is, is uh, kind of uh, um, a combined number. The uh, numbers really, um, at least where there was a study by University of Michigan. Um, and uh, in Michigan, we have uh, hundred. 60,000 Chaldeans. Okay. Now there are other uh, people, Christians or non-Christians, Iraqi origin, live here. So the number is much higher right. if you combine all of them. Uh, in California and in the uh, Southwest, uh, the numbers are obviously much smaller. Uh, really, the, the center of gravity for the community is here in Detroit, Michigan. Okay, and, and so um, what what do you think motivated you know our people to come mainly to Detroit? I, I you know I hear a lot of people ask that, especially when they say, you know, why didn't we move somewhere like like California where it's nice and whatnot? But what what motivated them mostly to come to Detroit? Would you say? 
Well, you know, history uh, teaches many lessons. Um, you know, we, uh, Iraq is landlocked. Uh, the villages we come from in the Nineveh Plain are landlocked. What that means, at the end of the 18th century, beginning 19th century, the mode of transportation was ships. So any country that had access to the sea, to the oceans, had also access to travel, to, um, uh, to be uh, a frontier, to go to other places. The Lebanese, right. for example, or the uh, Syrians, or the Turks, or the uh, Italians, or the Greeks, they all have coastal lines. So many of them uh, adopted that and it was easy for them to travel. Now, sure. uh, we, of course, the Chaldeans, uh, after we moved from the villages, some of our pioneers were courageous. These people spoke no language, had nothing maybe just uh, some Gupta and some bread <laughs> and, and a little snack with them. And, and they said, I'm going to go to Adana. Yeah. Adana is a large city, commercial city in southern Turkey, close to the uh, port. And uh, many people went to work there. There, they mixed with people that spoke their language or similar to it, Aramaic, mm -hmm. because they mixed with some Syrians as well as uh, some Lebanese. These people had common denominator. They were Christians. Many of them spoke Aramaic. So our people connected with them and they followed them because these people came to Brazil, to Mexico, to Canada, United States, 50 years ahead of us. Right. So I think in that case, that sparked the interest of our people to travel with them. And when they did travel, actually, that's another interesting story, because as they went from port to port, they couldn't disembark. They had to stay on ship and work on ship. So uh, depending where the ship was going, if it went to, say, from southern Turkey to Genoa to Marseille, later on, uh, you know, uh, Portsmouth and, uh, and all the way to Canada, some of them landed in Canada. Right. Uh, uh, the Shemam uh, family, uh, I believe Joe Shemam, uh, was one of the people that landed there in 1889 in wow. Canada. And uh, other people, by the way, who didn't know, uh, continued the journey to New York. And some of them disembarked in New York, like your grand-grandfather uh, that I mentioned, uh, his name, George Binu. Mm -hmm. In 1905, I've had a document that shows he landed in New York. And then many others who could not speak the language or understand stayed on board, not knowing this is the United States, and ended up in Mexico or Brazil. Oh. So we have now a small community in Brazil. We have a small community in, uh, in Mexico, which I am also going to address in a future article after the next one. The next one is going to be Chaldeans in Canada. Yeah, so you, you mentioned that uh, this, is, this is actually part of a, a series that you're planning. Uh, what, is, you know, what is the project entailing? What are you hoping to achieve with this? Well, look, we are in the 21st century, and uh, we are in the digital age. Yeah. Um, in the old days, we used to read books. Uh, maybe we write letters. Right. Uh, these are, of course, old uh, methods. Times have changed. We need to be connectors. We need to connect our community. In the old days, we used to connect people within village to village. Right. You know, geography dictated that. Well, there is no geography anymore. There are no borders anymore. Our people are scattered all over the world, five different continents. Yeah. Now, I think if we do not document, archive, and 
uh, bring all this together in a digital format so it is accessible to the young generation, to the future generation. Our community is going to lose more of its values. It's going to lose more of its connectivity. And we're going to be scattered like a broken glass all over the world. Yeah. This is not good. What we need to do is to, to know who we are. Um, where is our strength? How can we make it even better, stronger? So therefore, these kind of programs, um, I mean, whether it is this program of uh, trying to archive everything, uh, uh, or I have something else which I'd love to do uh, if uh, resources become available, is to create uh, what I call the um, uh, digital center, the digital, not necessarily, I don't want to call it just Chaldean, but you know, maybe the Christian, the immigrant center, where we digitize everything. I mean, can you imagine the next generation is not going to know much about my generation or the one before me? Well, if we had such a center and we had documented and created family trees, already some families have family trees, but can you imagine if we have a community digital tree? So my son, uh, my daughter, my grandson could actually go on the internet Sure. into our website. And if he is going to be engaged to a girl from a different family, for example, he can get lots of information that connects him, right. that educates him. And this is invaluable. So we need to really pass the baton, do these kind of things so that we can preserve our culture and our continuity. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's definitely, uh, you know, very well said. Uh, and it's something to, to look forward to seeing, you know, uh, come to fruition, you know. Um, you also mentioned, you also, you know, had mentioned that the, the you know, Chaldeans were mentioned in the Bible uh, in the Old Testament. Um, of course, I think there's been a, a fruitless debate, you know, for years now, uh, you know, why we should not call ourselves Chaldean and how we belong under one uh, identity umbrella and whatnot. What are your thoughts on that, you know, very briefly? Uh, look, there are, um, uh, Omar, um different uh, schools of thinking uh, when it comes to history. Um, history is written, documented by people at that time, uh, whether it was the Bible, whether it was the Greek uh, historians, whether the Syriacs who documented and translated many documents. So, you know, if you base your thinking on archaeology, there is... Uh, information that guides you and there are terminologies used by archaeologists and historians and theologians way before books were written right. uh, in a modern format. So now the Chaldean name was mentioned in uh, several passages and uh, I think the mix here uh, when people will begin to debate this issue, am I Syriac, am I Chaldean, am I Assyrian? Who am I? What is my identity? Well, uh, you have to look at it in so many different lenses, archaeological lens, theological lens, historic lens, and then modern history. What happened thereafter? Yeah. So the interpretation of that actually depends on what school of thought you believe in. I personally subscribe to unity. I really think the umbrella that combines and protects all of us is Christianity. Yeah. 
whether we should take different terminologies, no problem. You could be Syriac. In fact, Syriac is a name given, which the country of Syria is named after, uh, to uh, people that live east of the Euphrates. Euphrates was a geographic uh, dividing river, just like the Nile, just mm -hmm. like the Mississippi. So uh, many of the people and the villages that live to this day uh, speak Aramaic in a Syriac dialect east of the Euphrates. Um, uh, I'm sorry, west of Euphrates. We, the Chaldeans, most of our villages were east of Euphrates. Yeah. So our dialects are diluted, they're slightly different, but we speak the same language. Sure. And the same thing with the Assyrians, which lived further north, mostly in southern Turkey, what today is known as southern Turkey, northern Iraq. But the Assyrians also add another dimension in their thinking, and that is we own the land. Uh, so we really had a country at some point in time, an empire. Yeah, and they want to restore that. So there is, uh, there is a, 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 a geographic thinking, there is a nationalistic thinking, as well as um, you know terminologies like I am a Syrian, and accordingly um, I should be first and you should be second. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that is really. The, I think that's divisive. I think we need to stay united, Syriacs, Syrians. Chaldeans, we have one people, one language, and we should continue that path. Yeah. So, so what do you, what are your, um, you know, um, very briefly, how many more articles or, or you know, uh, pieces of literature do you plan on publishing uh, regarding all this? I know you said it's yes. Going to be well, uh, you know, this is going to be quite an interesting series yeah. uh, because there are. Um, um, uh, issue, uh, there are subjects that we're trying to cover, like Chaldeans in Canada, Chaldeans in Mexico, Chaldeans in Europe, uh, in Australia, New Zealand, so uh, in Georgia, uh, and, uh, and again in the Middle East. So there is a lot to be covered. And we will continue with that. I think uh, it's getting very good response. Lots of people are enjoying the reading. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, have, you, have you done any books on, the, on this, uh, this topic? You know, I'm a scientist. Really. I'm not really a historian. Uh, I mean, I enjoy writing. I enjoy reading. Sure. Um, I I think I think if we are to package this at some point in time and add more material, you know, in preparing for all these articles, I have contacted every bishop uh, uh, within the United States, outside the United States. I've contacted scholars. I've contacted museums uh, so that I can collect the right data. This is much of a PhD research uh, topic for students to, to undertake. Right. Uh, but I think at some point in time, after we finish all of uh, the articles, perhaps it would be nice to package them all together in a book. Absolutely. And so it becomes accessible both in English and Arabic. Yeah, and even if even if not a not a book, but you know, maybe uh, maybe like a documentary would be interesting too. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, you know, you can go in all different directions, but I, I, I think uh, I'd like to use this, um, you know, uh, uh, the gist of these articles um, in many ways. You know, one of the things I believe in is the future, uh, Omar, and I think we need to build a brand. We need to build what I call a Chaldean brand. Absolutely. Uh, this is very much, uh, in my mind, is very important for our people. We want to be known for something very special. Yeah. We are very special people. Uh, when you consider our numbers and our achievements, uh, but we need to translate these to something very special. Sure. A brand, a Chaldean brand. Well, Dr. Miri, it's been a pleasure having you on here. Thank you so much for being with us. 
It's my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, doctor. Good luck with your project. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much.